Let's rock and roll. This is episode number 694 of the Inner Fight Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, downloading. Thanks a lot for rating and reviewing us as well. If you did, if you didn't, I don't know. Are you a good person? It's not for me to judge, but I really would appreciate if you rate and review the podcast, no matter where you listen to it, iTunes, Spotify, send it to your friends. That's how we grow. And I really, really appreciate that. This is episode number 694, and today I'm here, just me, just little me, talking all about the positive use of technology. I'm excited for this one, and it actually spurred, I'm excited for most podcasts, by the way, just in case you hadn't noticed yet, but I'm generally quite excited. I love the podcast, that's why I started it, but this one I thought about a lot after my discussion in last week's show, 693 with Brian Burgett, where I asked him, hopefully you listen, but I asked him what has been the biggest change in humans. He's a human behavioral specialist. What has been the biggest change in humans over the last five years? And basically, now he said a lot, so you need to go listen to the show, obviously. But what he really said was the main difference is technology. Technology, the advances of technology, and it is massively impacting our behavior, our lives in a number of different ways, as you pretty much all know. However, we often see it in a negative way. And I am going to talk about some of the negatives as well, but what I'm going to give you close to the end of the show is four or five really what I think are solid points about how to use technology positively and how to run it rather than it runs you. I recently read a book by the, which was recommended to me by a listener of the show, Matt Benson, by the book was Hit Refresh by Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft. And I know it's his business. So it's a little bit like you could turn around and say, well, yeah, of course Satya Nadella is going to make technology sound interesting and good. But for the most part, he does. But he also warns us of various issues that need to be tackled, such as the laws surrounding things like AI and where we're at today and how we're trying to govern an industry or trying to rule with laws that were actually made in the early 1930s or 1940s, I think is the example that he speaks about. So that was interesting. The show with Brian Boger. If you want books, by the way, everyone's always asking me about books. Go to mjdsmith.com forward slash books. I put all of the books that I read over there. And yes, you'll see that most of the books or a lot of the books, I don't actually read them. I listen to them. Audiobook is one of my go-tos. Actually, that's not a bad place to start with this show. I do have notes on this show, but as you know, I quite like to jump around a little bit. But Audible is what I use for most of my books. It allows me to sit, relax, listen to them, but sometimes it's a little bit of a problem because I do get distracted. And despite what we say or what a lot of people would say that we can multitask a lot of the time for things like books, it's very difficult. But if you wanted to see all the books I've read, mjdsmith.com slash books. So what I tried to do is think back to five years ago. And I was thinking, what device was I actually using then? And I was was on an iPhone. I was an early adopter for a BlackBerry, actually, in in around the, what would it have been? It would have been about 2006, I think it was, when I was at Adidas, and BlackBerry was first launched in this region. And I was in a position where I was 
able to get one due to my position in Adidas. And you could only get them at that time as a as an enterprise deal. You couldn't have a personal BlackBerry account. It was very strange how they launched BlackBerry here. And that was the first, obviously the first point where communication tech came into my pocket and was with me on a pretty much, if I allowed it to be, 24-7 basis. BlackBerry, very old school. Some people actually still have these things. Now, I actually had one, I think, till about 2011-2012. I think in 2010, I, I was one of those people that for a short while there, for maybe a year, I had a BlackBerry and I had an iPhone. And I was trying to piece together why. Because we're talking about changes of technology and, and the, the positive impact of technology and, and what was really going on. One of the most positive things that I actually found from BlackBerry which is now, it's interesting because back in the day, it was really useful because it was easy. We'd moved from MSN Messenger and we moved to BBM. And, and those of you that, that, that know it, send someone your BBM pin, you add them, and you can basically chat back and forward, very much like WhatsApp is these days. In those days, WhatsApp wasn't that, wasn't that big and it wasn't across all devices like it is now. And I come to WhatsApp a little bit later on. But... We sort of, I moved and I was on an iPhone five years ago and I don't even remember what iPhone number it was, I could track back. But when I moved to iPhone, and this is why I want to sort of create context around it because it was a little bit before five years, there was a number of things that I just thought were absolutely brilliant with it, which were apps. And the way the apps enabled me to live live my life basically and, and the way that they helped me to do a number of things. And when I compare those apps of five years ago, seven years ago to the apps of today that I'm using the most, incredibly, they're very similar apps. Someone once told me that you actually only use half a dozen or, or, or a dozen apps on your phone. I remember when I used to do Get Fit Radio with James Pikeway and he always used to say he has 50 songs and really that's all you listen to. And if you go, if you have a Spotify account, another app, if you have a Spotify account, go and see the number of plays on each song. You probably only listen to about 50 songs and you listen to them over and over again. Anyway, the apps that I used back then, messaging, a messaging platform, obviously on iPhone, it was WhatsApp which has evolved an incredible amount since it was bought by Facebook. Facebook was another app that was on the phone, and yes, I used it then. I use it a lot less now. Other apps that I've got that I used back then was Training Peaks was available as an app. However, it was a little bit clunky. Normal messaging, SMS, which is a bit old school now, but it definitely was in play back then, as was iMessaging, a lot more prevalent back in the day. And then email and calls. That was probably about it. There were a handful. Five years ago, I think I was using Audible, which I spoke about earlier. And I started using Audible because basically, ah, the other app that I used was the Apple Podcast app. I've got it written here. Very important. And actually, I used that on a iPod probably back in 2010. Again, that's an app that I'm still using to this day and love it. I went to Audible because I wanted to, I basically wanted to read more books. And that's, I'm a big fan of Audible. I know a lot of hardcore readers are not really that, they, they say that it doesn't really count as a book. 
if it's an audio book. But for me, it counts as a book because I learn the same and, and I flip back and forward. And it was useful because I was able to use them. I was able to listen when I traveled, when I would commute certain places. And sometimes I just, I just find this, that when I start reading, I fall asleep, where, which is not very easy to read and be asleep at the same time, obviously. But when I'm listening to an audiobook, I can actually stay focused. And at the same time, I can write some notes down. So Audible was, was one of them as well. As I moved or as things moved, what I did realize, especially with my online coaching business, that apps like Training Peaks, apps like HRV for training, apps like WhatsApp were really, really useful. I'm able to connect with people all around the world. I'm able to have a client in America, in the UK, in Ireland, in Australia, do a workout. It could be finishing right now as I record this podcast. They will then sync their device, whatever it is, with an app and that gets pushed to Training Peaks. And literally right now, I could be on my phone and I could see the workout they've done. I could see where they've done it, the data, what their effort is, if they follow the workout I've given, the whole nine yards. And what this gave me was a lot of freedom to do my job wherever really I had a connection. And it also enabled me to give a lot of value to my clients. So a client would finish a workout, he might be able to message me in WhatsApp, I finished a workout, it went well, it didn't go well, we could discuss it, and I could go straight into their training peaks and actually have the data to talk of. So my level of service for my online coaching business actually went through the roof, because through an app, through a phone, which literally could have in my pocket absolutely anywhere, I could keep a track of what was going on. Clients could ask me questions. I could give them data, data-driven feedback on the spot, which is for a, a coaching business was, was, was really quite a big value add. Also, from my client's side, they could start to use apps like that, that I was a big fan of and still am a big fan of, HRV for training, really easy to use, and everything was basically centered through the phone, which for me was was really made life simple and made their experience really good as well. Other apps that obviously sort of started coming up that that, that I would use and, and, and that have become a lot more prevalent over the last few years are music streaming apps. And, and you know, I remember the days where I used to go to boarding school and pack a load of cassettes and, and sit on the airplane and listen to cassettes on my Walkman and then the Walkman batteries would, would somehow drain because it was a seven or eight hour flight and a double A battery would only last four hours and I hadn't bought enough and I'd sort of sit there spinning the cassette tape on, on my finger. Well, obviously with the advent of the iPhone and with the way things are moving with Apple Music, with Spotify, they were the two apps that I've, I've used in a really positive way. And now, obviously, a lot of podcasts are coming through on Spotify as well. Last year, was it last year that Joe Rogan announced the big news that actually his podcast would be exclusive on Spotify, which is super interesting because obviously he's absolutely huge on YouTube as well. But with the increase of the apps and the number of ways that I was using my phone, what I was finding is that it was becoming incredibly distracting. And I started to feel this probably about three to four years ago. And for those of you that have watched The Social Dilemma, if you haven't watched The Social Dilemma, please go and watch it. It's, it's super interesting. And you can, 
you can take out of it, obviously, all of these things. And this is my point on, on all documentaries. Someone's paying the bill and someone's trying to sell something off the back of it. So what it boils down to, you make your own adult decisions. But when I was getting notifications, I was getting distracted. And that could be any time. It could be when the phone was on the table during a meeting, it would light up. It could be when I used to have the phone in the bedroom, more about that later. It would light up in the night if I was sleeping lightly, or even if I think sometimes when I was sleeping deeply, it might light up and even wake me up or just disturb me in some way. I'd also, and this will, I think this will resonate with a lot of people, you pick up your phone to go and do something, be it to look something up, send someone a message, even if you're just going into a messaging app, something like WhatsApp, you go to send John a message, but you get in there or you see that there's this bubble, this red bubble, go back to the social dilemma, understand exactly what the psychology behind that is. And you see that there are messages from Peter, Paul, Jane, a new girlfriend, random one, slip into my DMs, all of that kind of stuff. And literally you could spend the next five or 10 minutes replying to those messages and those messages might make you write to someone else and start another conversation with someone else and you actually forget that you've gone into your phone to speak to whose name did I use see I've even forgotten John you went in to send a message to John and because that message that came from Paul may have forced you to go out of your messages because he might have asked you something about an email and then you've gone to your email and you've seen all of these other emails that you start, you could end up 15 to 20 minutes later having not actually done what you went into your phone to do. And that really started to frustrate the hell out of me. So I was like, okay, how can I make this a little bit better? When I looked at it, there were a number of benefits of technology. There are a number of benefits that it was helping me in my life in a number of different ways. And I'm just focusing a lot here on the phone. If you look at all these different things, I think I bought Apple TV sort of 10 years ago, streaming from different, from, from things like, I remember, I can't, was it LimeWire where you had to first sort of stream or download things from? And, and for someone that doesn't really watch many movies or TV shows, it was just all too hard. But then Apple TV, I could get a couple of different things on Netflix if I wanted to. There was YouTube there where I could watch some, whatever I was really going to watch. But the main thing, I think, or the main impact that we're speaking about here is actually not all of technology, although iPads definitely, and there's a whole conversation around that for the younger generation, but mainly for adults, the impact is the smartphone. It's an iPhone for me. It might be an Android for you. It Hopefully, I, I do still know a few people on BlackBerry, but what it did is these phones and these apps, they the massive benefit is they give us so much convenience. I said it there. It was great for my online business. It still is good for my online coaching business. It's great to the way that we can stay in touch. I mean, if you think about it 10 or 15 years ago, you know, well, 20 years ago, you'd, I, I'd come back from holiday and I'd, I'd have my photos and I'd go through them and then I'd sit with my mum and show them to her. Whereas now, I can show her in real time where I am, what's going on, how beautiful it is, and I can share that with my family as well as if I want to share the message with whatever social platforms that I'm on. So it's a very interesting and very positive benefit that actually we can stay in touch 
more than ever before. However, one of the, you hear that? That's on my laptop. I hope you didn't hear that. That's a calendar reminder that actually I should be doing strength work right now. <laughs> That's the way it goes. And so there are a lot of positives, but I also saw a lot of negatives. And I knew that the positives at that point, maybe three years ago or four years ago, actually outweighed the negatives, the distraction that I spoke about. However, I almost had a moment where I was like, if I don't take control of this, and if you as a person haven't taken control of it or didn't take control of it or are not thinking about taking control of it, actually, the distractions and the disruptions of technology, of the device that you might be listening to this on right now, could far outweigh the benefits. And that really frightened me a lot. Because I felt every single time that anxiety that we saw in the social dilemma that when that phone lit up, I wanted to know. It lights up on purpose. Those little red dots that tell you the number of messages are there on purpose. And I didn't probably admit it at the time, but it was a form of anxiety. I was feeling anxious. And if I was sat having a conversation with someone and I saw my phone light up, I saw a red dot come through, I wouldn't be able to continue co concentrating on that conversation, so I'd lose that moment. Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now, fantastic book, talks about creating presence to live in the moment, in the now. And I realized that that was being lost. Think about it right now. You're sat talking to someone. You're having a really in-depth conversation. They have their phone screen faced up. And you're pouring your heart out to them. Or you're listening to them trying to pour their heart out to you. Their phone lights up. The whole tone of the conversation changes. Your level of interest will change if it's your phone. Their level of interest will change if it's their phone. And if someone picks their phone up or looks at their phone, my level of interest naturally changes. So we're not able to be as present. And that frightened me a little bit. And I knew I had to do something about it. So what I did was I read and I had a look around and a little Google. And then I realized something that I actually knew or I learned something that I actually later on or immediately knew I knew. That the same way that my phone is constantly on silent, I can actually turn off all the alerts. And that's my number one trick of how to use technology or how to continue to use technology in a really positive way. You need all of your alerts to be turned off. I have one exception to this and you can actually narrow this down even more and I have thought about this but I've never done it. I'm not sure why. Maybe this show will be the catalyst that when you have it could be your phone could be on do not disturb and the only person or the only group of people that might need to contact you urgently and that your phone would light up for is maybe your family and you would accept incoming calls from those people. No other alerts, no other notifications, 
No other when you open your home screen to go and look for something, you see a ring of 32,000 WhatsApps from the 25 million different groups that you're in. No more alerts on any app. I literally had to open the app to get what was inside it. And instantly, things started to change. My phone will never light up except for phone calls and also, as you probably just heard on my laptop a few minutes ago, an alert for a meeting because I just don't want to miss a meeting. So that's quite important because sometimes I'm, I get caught up and that's what the reminder's for. So that's the number one thing that I started to do and, and this was about three years ago, two or three years ago and immediately things started to change. No Instagram notifications. No email notifications. I would literally, and I literally have to go into all of those apps to see if I've got messages. So when I pick up the phone, there's absolutely no distractions. I'll tell you something funny in a second. I can go to the app I want to go to and I can complete the task I want to complete and then I can move on. However, there's a small problem with this. I still have that problem when I want to go and message John in WhatsApp if there's 10 WhatsApps that are unread, I read them and then I still get lost. <laughs> so it's kind of a little bit of a catch 22, that one. When I'm in an app, I still don't know how to prioritize it because if there's unread messages, even if I'm going into message John, I still struggle not to read those messages first and then go and message John after. I normally, uh, sorry, I normally read those messages first, and then I message John rather than messaging John first. And I still get a little bit of that frustration from time to time of what the hell did I open my phone for. But number one, guys, to use technology in a positive way, please turn off all your alerts. Now, a lot of you are going to say, I need it for work. I need it for this. Let me ask you something. Is your work really that reactive as opposed to proactive? And in your work, do you really want that many disruptions? Just think about it. You're paid to do pure work or are you paid to answer WhatsApps? If your job is, is really based around WhatsApp, then I understand that this is slightly different. But for a lot of us, if we're going to do our purest and best work, we need to be distraction-free. And that's why when you want to do pure work, for example, if it's on your laptop or on your phone, then closing down on your laptop, close because we've now got things like WhatsApp and email reminders and noises and all of that. Close them all on your laptop and close your browser that has WhatsApp on it. And I'll do this. When I'm doing, for example, deep work, when I'm doing things like client programming, I will not have my phones away and I will not have anything popping up like WhatsApps that dis disturbs it. People are paying me money to do their program. I need to make sure that I'm doing it properly. Same when I'm writing something for the gym. I need to make sure that all of my energy is there and I'm absolutely distraction free. The second point, using technology properly is, or positively, is setting up some boundaries. Now, one of the greatest things about iPhone right now, I don't know exactly how it works on Android because I don't have one, is that you can see your screen time. It'll give you a seven day report. It'll give you a live report. Go in and have a look at it. See how much time you're spending in various apps, how many times you pick up your phone. It'll tell you all of that. 
and then make a game plan. Some people can go cold turkey. I know a lot of people that have tried to delete apps such as WhatsApp and then realize that actually it's very difficult to do their job without it, which is quite a somehow frightening scenario, but it is the truth. Set some boundaries, set some goals. How much time do you want to spend on your screen and how are you going to manage it? There are things like bulk replying to emails, doing it, for example, twice a day. Same thing for WhatsApps, not getting into conversations with people around WhatsApp. Same for Facebook, Facebook messaging. It's mainly, as you'll see, or as you might be piecing together now, we're just reacting to other people for the most part. Not much of it is actually proactive. So set some boundaries and set some goals on a weekly basis. Okay, I'm going to try and get my screen time down from 24 hours, which some people are way above that. Yep, 24 hours in a week you actually spend just staring into that phone and reduce it. And then ask yourself how you feel. Now, as I said, I think for a short while, it's almost like giving up an addiction. You're going to feel slightly anxious. You're not going to know what to do. This is what they say about smoking a lot of the time. People are used to going for a cigarette or having that cigarette in their hand, so they're not really sure what to do with it. And a lot of times, they'll use that time that they're smoking to eat, and that's why we see a lot of people say that they put on weight, and they genuinely do because they're eating now instead of smoking. But you're going to feel something quite similar. You're not really going to know what to do with your hands or what to do with the time. You've just get, if you've gone from 24 hours a week to 10 hours a week, you've just got back 14 hours of your week and you're gonna need to have a plan in place of what you're gonna do with that time. And that could be to stay away from, from technology. That, could, that was, would definitely be spending time talking to people, reading, writing manually rather than on technology. I think that's something that's super important. The fourth thing, which I work on with a lot of people is the disruption of technology to their sleep. So one of the rules that I think we should have in place to use technology positively is that we will never ever have phones in bedrooms. Super important. I've had it out of my room for a few years now. Holly still has her phone there and she says she doesn't use it at night. Sometimes she does. I've thrown her under the bus and sometimes in the middle of the night, the whole thing lights up, lights the room up, makes me absolutely crazy. It's not an excuse that you need the phone next to your bed for an alarm. You've got options here, guys. Airplane mode is one of your best options. It's, I think it's on pretty much every single phone. Or just use a traditional alarm clock, an old phone. I actually use an old iPhone that, and I know this sounds just a bit weird and unnecessary, but I have an old iPhone, which is by the side of my bed, that all it does is my alarm. And I've had that in place now for three years or so, so there's no going to my phone before bed, just wanna check the messages, it lighting up in the night, none of that happens. So if I can really encourage you to get out, get the phones out of the bedrooms, I think it's super, super important. Otherwise, and I've had this with a few clients that I'm working with still now, that you know people wake up in the middle of the night, they go to the bathroom, they'll check the time, they'll see they've got 352 million messages and they'll start reading them and then they tell me they can't sleep very well. Well, of course you can't sleep very well because your mind is absolutely racing. The fourth thing, and I've mentioned this partially just a few minutes ago, is figuring out when to reply. And a lot of people feel that they have to reply straight away to certain emails, certain messages, and on, on certain apps. 
I'm not really sure if that's 100% true. If you're doing some deep work, if you're having a conversation with someone, if you've committed time to someone, then why do you have to break up that time to reply to this person? I find that incredibly, incredibly rude. I actually genuinely hate it and stop talking to people when they pick up their phone in a meeting and I realize that they're applying to someone else. I'll just pause until they're finished. Quick question. During this show, how many times have you picked up your phone and done something? That's not just to check how long you've got left or to check your calendar. Yeah. I reckon during this 30 minutes, some of you have replied to WhatsApp, some of you have been on Instagram, some of you have checked email, some of you have read Sky News. Is that you? That means you haven't listened to everything that I've said. You chose to listen to me, but then didn't listen to everything that I said. Going back to my final point, you reply on your terms. And if your phone is not flashing left and right, and if you have discipline and structure around the way that you work, the way that you spend time with people, this will happen naturally. For the most part, I found that not every WhatsApp needs an immediate reply. In fact, most don't. And the most beautiful part of messaging, which as I've said once or twice during this show, a lot of this is around messages coming in and disturbing us. But what happens, and this is beautiful, someone sends you a message at 11 o'clock in the morning, you don't reply to it. They might follow up again at about one o'clock, you still don't reply. Maybe because you just genuinely haven't seen it. I might be out running or something. By four o'clock, they'll write back to you and say, don't worry, I've figured it out. Wow. So they were going to disrupt your time, your deep work, your presence, your meeting with your wife, with your boyfriend, with your girlfriend, whatever it is, instead of going and figuring out their problem, which they've now figured out. <coughs> Excuse me. Super interesting, right? Yes, I focus a lot on messaging. We could go into the, all the other apps. News, the impact that it has. Games, the addiction that they have. There's a lot. But I want to round out in the next few minutes, going back to some of the apps I spoke about previously and some of the apps that I'll use now. Surprise, surprise, they're all pretty much the same. There's not many new ones kicking around. Some of them I use for a short while and then they stop, but the core of my time using technology is actually with the same things, which I think is super interesting. There's massive, massive benefits, guys. I love technology, I focus a lot on the phone and the disruption of the phone because I feel that's where a lot of the disruption is these days. It's in our hand. And as soon as it gets into our hand, it gets into our mind and it starts to eat us up. We've heard it on a number of different platforms. Don't read the news first thing in the morning. Don't check social media in first thing in the morning. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do the other. Some people massively benefit from reading the news first thing in the morning. Think about it. We used to get newspapers delivered and sit over breakfast and read the news. I don't know. Whilst it's not good news, sometimes getting caught up with the news or reading the news is actually beneficial for us. I'll let you guys figure that part out. 
I always just want you to ask yourself how things are making you feel. I also believe if we follow those four points, turning all alerts off on the phone, except the urgent people that need to get hold of you and let it be a ring and tell them that you won't reply to WhatsApps. If it's urgent, please ring. Set some boundaries that you're going to use your technology by. Be it your iPad for your kid, be it your Netflix time, your laptop, or your phone. Set those boundaries and rules. A lot of it I've seen with those with young children, they've got clear rules in place as to when those children can use those devices. No phones in the bedroom, no technology in the bedroom. And that's not even talking about all the different radio signals and all this stuff that could be going on. And finally, I think that our need of connection to our phones and to replying to certain messages needs to be reviewed. When I first started using email, probably in 98, 97 when I was at university, it would take my university professors at least 10 days to reply. Now we get stressed out if someone hasn't replied in an hour. I love the quote, Failure to prepare on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. So when someone's really pushy, sending you millions of messages, think about that. Are they disorganized? And should you really drop everything and the time that you're having with the people you're having, be them family, friends, or clients, or just doing some deep work to reply? We can use technology positively, but I think... Now, more than ever, we need to have a stringent set of rules and we need to make sure that we're following them. Otherwise, we get to a point where the distraction of technology and these tech companies, and just read Satya Nadella's book, they have psychiatrists working in tech companies to figure out how they can make the tech and phones, iPads, laptops, whatever it is, more addictive. They want us on there more than ever. And so the people, neuroscientists that understand the brain are now employed by companies to figure out what they have to do to these devices to keep us on there more. Don't let the distractions outweigh the benefits. You choose, please choose to use technology positively. Thanks a lot for listening. I'm interested to hear what you will do with this show. If you make changes, please reach out to me. Easiest is over on Instagram, MJD underscore Smith. I would love to hear what you do, why you did it, and the results that you get. Thanks, for, thanks a lot for listening. Until next week's show, take care.